Live from the heartland and the crossroads of America, it's Tony Katz today. Tony Katz, so good to be with you. 833 Got Tony and John Brennan is whining and complaining and has no place to be doing it. This is the former CIA director who had a security clearance taken away. Security clearance that we should be clear is not his by birthright. It was him his by being the head of the CIA, which he's not anymore. And the president of the United States decided that he should no longer have it. The elected president decided that the unelected former CIA director shouldn't have security clearance anymore. And that's the end of the story. Now, as we have discussed here from the very beginning, there's a reason these former guys have uh, security clearances, because there are investigations happening today that might have been around when they were in charge or they were around. You have to ask questions and get information. You want to make sure you're doing things right, so you're going to need to consult. But there are times when these people simply are a danger to themselves and others. And I don't think it goes so far in the stretch to say that when in, in, in John Brennan, you have a guy who was clearly working aggressively on trying to do harm to President Trump. Now, when I say harm, not liking him, that's that's not harm. That's not harm. The question here is leaks. The question here is uh, false information. The question here is a question of faith and trust. These are the questions. Now, since when did these not become important things? There is no doubt, as some have written, that to revoke the clearance is, well... is uh, setting a precedent. Because when the party that you don't like is in power, imagine what they're going to do. But Brennan is not a a, a good guy. Brennan's a guy who has lied repeatedly. Brennan is a guy, uh, you know, people go to the back to the fact that he was a communist. To me, that's reason enough. How dare he ever make it to the top levels of the CIA? But we know this. We know that he has lied. We know that he has not told the truth. We know that he has an animus towards the president. And here he is with information, and there has been an issue with leaking. I think the president is well within his rights to say, you know what? I need to stop the problem before it starts. Or I know there is a problem, and I just can't let everybody know it, because after all, that would be uh, putting out classified information that we don't want out. And so what is he thinking of doing now? He's thinking of suing. John Brennan is considering suing President Trump uh, over this, over the removal of his his security clearance. Hello. That got the President of the United States to go to Twitter. Mr. President, how you doing, sir? Hi, Tony. Hey, sir. Saying, quote, I hope John Brennan... The worst CIA director in our country's history brings a lawsuit. It will then be very easy to get all of his records, text, emails, and documents to show not only the poor job he did, but how he was involved with the Mueller-rigged witch hunt. 
He won't sue! Exclamation point. Now, um, I don't know if that's true. He will or or he 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 won't. I am not sure that that's true. But uh, he he followed up. Did the president of the United States? Because he's not done. Hello. Everybody wants to keep their security clearance. It's worth great prestige and big dollars, even board seats. And that is why certain people are coming forward to protect Brennan. It certainly isn't because of the good job he did. He is a political hack. He's quoting there uh, Stephen Hayes of Weekly Standard, who referred to Brennan as a hack last week. And Stephen Hayes, no uh, Trump idolater by any stretch of the imagination. And this is where the rubber really has to meet the road. Yes, I agree wholeheartedly that if you're going to start suspending security clearances, you have to accept the fact there's going to be some type of response to it. There is going to be some type of backlash to it. It shouldn't happen for simply uh, cheap reasons. It can't. What is it has to be done with with a bit of thought and 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 thinking through the entire subject. That said, the man is not entitled to it. And there are plenty of people, there are some people coming to the defense of, of uh, Brennan and some people saying this is uh, um, absolutely horrific. One of those statements is from uh, retired Admiral Michael Mullen saying, I think John's an extraordinary servant to the country, but I think he has been incredibly critical of the president, and I think that has put him in a political place which actually does more damage for the intelligence community, which is apolitical. That coming from Fox News Sunday. I think that's a legitimate point. That's a legitimate point. According to an interesting uh, piece, uh, David Ignatius of the Washington Post uh, about Brennan, um, Trump was frightened and remains so to this day about just how much Brennan knows about his secrets. And by that, I don't just mean dealings with Russian oligarchs and presidents, but the way he moved through a world of fixers, flatterers, and money launderers. What does Brennan know? What did he learn from the CIA's deep assets in Moscow? That's an interesting line. Now, according to this author here from something called the American Conservative, that's why Brennan wants his security clearance and the media wants him to have it. Because they want him to be able uh, to to leak, right? That's that's what they want. Now, that could very well be true. I don't say no. And no, I have absolutely no faith. No faith in John Brennan whatsoever. As Victor Davis Hansen writing, scarier than former CIA chief John Brennan losing a security clearance is the idea that he ever had one in the first place. The man has lied to Congress at least two occasions. The claim of absence of collateral damage in drone attacks, denial of CIA surveillance of Senate staffers. Lying, that should be enough. And then there was the accusations of treason against President Trump. Now, he said this in in a tweet. He said this in a tweet that it was nothing more than treasonous. What President Trump did, I think it was uh, the meeting with uh, Vladimir Putin. Now I want you to hear on two different occasions how he responds to that. The first is with Rachel Maddow. For the President of the United States to continue to prevaricate on this issue, I think does a a great injustice and a disservice to the men and women of the intelligence law enforcement community and does a great disservice to the uh, citizens of the United States. 
And that's why I said it was nothing short of treasonous. I didn't mean that he committed treason, but it was a term that I used, nothing short of treasonous. Well, you didn't mean that he committed treason, though. I said it's nothing short of treasonous. That was the term that I used, yeah. That's the, if we, if we diagram the sentence, nothing short of treasonous means it's treason. That's Rachel Maddow making sense. That's Rachel Maddow. And he went on with uh, Chuck Todd. Same thing. I'm going to do whatever I can personally to try to prevent these abuses in the future. And if it means going to court, I will, I will do that. You have been more outspoken than really any former official. Uh, and in fact, it may be why many Republican legislatures feel comfortable taking the president's side. They believe your comments have been over the top. Do you regret essentially accusing the president of treason? Do you, do you regret some of the things you have said? Uh, I call his behavior treasonous, which is to betray one's trust and to aid and abet the enemy, and I stand very much by that uh, claim. You are the former CIA director accusing the sitting president of the United States. It's not a private citizen. A lot of people here, the former CIA director accusing the sitting president of the United States of treason, that's, that's, monum that's a monumental accusation. Uh, well, I think these are abnormal times, and I think a lot of people... So, okay, now at least he's getting closer to saying, yes, I'm accusing him treason even james clapper james clapper the former dni thinks that uh brennan uh, has gone uh too far and i did say that it rises to and exceeds the level of uh, uh high crimes and misdemeanors and is nothing short of treasonous i didn't mean that he committed treason but it was a term that i used nothing short of treasonous well you didn't mean that he committed treason though i said it's nothing short of treasonous that was the term that i used yeah so we'll, we'll get into the, the president's behavior in a second, but do you think that John Brennan's hyperbole is an issue here? Is one of the reasons we're having this crisis? Well, I, I, I think it is. Uh, I think, um, you know, John uh, is, is sort of like a freight train, and uh, he's going to say what's on his mind. How many more pieces of information? Calling somebody, uh, saying the president is guilty of treason, then you won't say it, then you kind of say it. Even uh, the director of national intelligence, who's been very critical of the president, thinks that you're going too far. This has been a big subject, and so it should have been. It has been discussed, and so it should be. But Brennan is not entitled to a security clearance. We don't owe it to him. President Trump doesn't owe it to him. Brennan is a guy who has proven himself untrustworthy, and he should not be trusted by anybody in America. They should stop putting him on TV. I don't think they'll do that because they desperately want whatever it is he knows. They want it bad. But this will go by the wayside. If he decides to sue, oh, it's going to be a lot of fun. I don't personally think he will. I think it's bluster. I think we'll get a couple more speaking gigs out of it. People will believe what they want to believe. I'm glad he doesn't have the clearance. That doesn't mean everybody should lose theirs. doesn't mean that all those people should lose theirs. But this is one that I'm not going to lose any sleep over. I'm Tony Katz. Tony Katz, 833 Got Tony, the podcast, I'm just so thrilled Michelle Wolf doesn't have a job anymore. I'm just absolutely thrilled by it on every single level. 
now you shouldn't, you know, I don't maybe shouldn't you know, revel in someone else's pain and misery. But when they brought it upon themselves, come on. Michelle Wolf, she's the uh, so-called comic, uh, went after Sarah Huckabee Sanders there at the White House Correspondents' Dinner, got the show on Netflix. Yeah, her, her, her show canceled. Went 10 episodes. 10 episodes. It was called The Break with Michelle Wolf. You never watched it. You're not going to now. It's just the way it goes. None of people watched and, and I am so thrilled by this because it, it proves something very important. You don't need to boycott things, right? This happened. Netflix put this show on. Now, Netflix has got a, has done a lot of lefter-leaning things, right? You, you make the deal with the Obamas. Then you've got uh, the, the David Letterman show, uh, My Next Guest Needs No Introduction, which I have not watched, right? I wish I wasn't angry with David Letterman. Um, I wish I wasn't disappointed in David Letterman. I wish that I could still look at this guy and say, this this was the anti-host. When, when everybody in, in talk was doing something one way, here came David Letterman to say, you know what, let's let's break down the fourth wall. Let's let's put an end to this. Let's invite everybody in. Let's let's not pretend that we are what we aren't. And then he what he did was 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 absolutely positively brilliant on brilliant on brilliant. And then I don't know what happened. I don't know when he became the get off my lawn grumpy old grandpa. But it happened. It happened and you know I like like when there's a guy like Ray Romano who goes on the show and he's almost in tears and he's like I owe my entire life to you. That's true. Everybody Loves Raymond was produced by Worldwide Pants. If it wasn't for Letterman putting him on the show, the guy doesn't have a career. He doesn't have anything. Anything. And if it wasn't for brilliant casting of Brad Garrett and, uh, oh, I forget her name. I forget her name who plays his wife. Oh, my gosh, she was in the middle. Uh, Patricia Heaton. Right? Um, uh, Without that brilliant casting and Peter Boyle and Doris Roberts, well, my goodness gracious, that show doesn't even last as long. But it all started because of that appearance on Letterman. Back in the day when those appearances mattered. You know, you talk to, about comics and, you know, being on Carson. That was the career. You got on Carson, you were going to be a headliner somewhere. That's the way it was going to happen. You weren't a comic until you got on Carson. And if you got on Carson, you were going to have a career. It might only last six months or a year, but you were going to have a career. You made it. You know, that, that whole thing doesn't happen anymore because you have YouTube. You can just create a YouTube following, and you're going to get on, on the circuit. You're going to be able to, to sell out a, a arenas, right? Direct access. You didn't need the gatekeeper. So I understand why, certainly in the day, some people are, there's a, there's, there's a real affinity and, and love. And I, I, I get that. But somewhere along the line, David Letterman stopped being funny. And David Letterman started being this, this, this grumpy old man. And maybe maybe it was the affair. Remember, he he was with a page. I always found that to be like like an intern. I found that to be cheap, right? Right. I found that you, you you took somebody who was in your own office who worked for you, and that's who you that's who you decide. You didn't even have the common decency to hire a hooker. What the hell, man? What the hell is this? So, but but it wasn't that the affair part. It was it was the who that actually got me. If, I mean, a, a little bit of insight. 
And then it was the the Sarah Palin hatred. And then it was just just as moving moving further to the left and it just made it hard and it made me resent I I I I love late night. You want to talk about a dream? Listen, uh, being able to do this, I love and adore. I I never knew how much I would enjoy radio. I never knew how much I would enjoy uh, storytelling and conversation. I never never once, because uh, late night's a dream, and I didn't properly go after it because I thought it was a dream. I never thought it was something I could do. More and more, I am convinced it's something I need to do. Need to do. I won't give this up for anything. I'm not giving up the radio for anything. But man, do I want to try. Man, do I want to put it out there. I I want to. I want to give it everything that I've got and just leave it on the field for the love of the Lord. I, I mean, I don't know if you feel that way about anything, but I, I, I feel this way about this. Like, 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 like we need it, and I know I can do it, and I think it could be something. You know, with help and with and with you know a little bit of trial and error, I know it. I know it could be better than Michelle Wolf. I can last longer than ten episodes. Honestly, that should be my tagline. I can last longer than Michelle Wolf, right? That, that's not inappropriate, is it? Is that inappropriate? I can last longer than Michelle Wolf. That's fine. I, I think that's fine. I'm sure it is. Uh, Archer, it's fine. Don't be ridiculous. But that she's gone, right, is, is, is proof that you don't need boycotts. Yes, they've been left-leaning, but boycotts still never made any sense because a boycott doesn't get you what you want. So let's say you're, you're, you're politically right. Right? And, and, oh, the political right makes this mistake all the freaking time. All the freaking time. They make the assumption that because something happens that's left-leaning, they have to react wildly, this, this wild gesticulation, and, and, and demand that these things be removed. Otherwise, they won't buy this. They won't do that. I swear to you, if you're on the political right and everything on the left bothers you, how do you even go to a movie? How do you listen to any music? Where, where's your happiness? Where's your joy come from? You, you let these people bother you too much. And every now and then you might have a reason. There might be a good reason, but it can't be everything. So the answer to Netflix was never, was never boycott Netflix. That's ridiculous. The answer was give Tony Katz a show. I want, here's the deal that, I'm, that I want from Netflix. And, and by the way, I, I, I'm, I'm wrong in one respect. You can't say it like this. You have to go out there and do it and show them why they should have you. You have to make them want you. You have to build an audience and make them say, my goodness, if we had uh, that content on our platform, it'll explode, right? So you got you to do that. And I'm, and I'm working towards that. But here's the deal I, I, I would like. This is the deal I would approach Netflix with. I want the Michelle Wolf deal minus my salary. I want to be able to hire the producers, I want to be able to I'm gonna do it right here in my Indianapolis. I'm not coming to L.A. I'm not coming to New York. I'm not coming to D.C. I'm doing it right here. And, and, and I, I want the same budget I, and, and no salary for me. Ten episodes, whatever that is, boom, gone. I'm going to prove it to you. I got to hire the other people. I got to have the, the, the professionals. We got to have uh, uh, the graphics. We got to have the pre-production. You got to have the po- You got to have all that. I will show you that I can create and host a, a, and entertain America in a way that gets from the right and the left side of the aisle. Even the people who disagree with me are going to love it. And when it works, those 10 episodes, and we say, and you say, let's do another season, then I'll get paid.
I am willing to put my money where my mouth is every single day of the week and twice on Sunday because how else do you get things done? I don't come from the millennial set. I don't walk in and say, you owe me. Let me show you. Ask not what your country could do for you. Ask what you could do for your country. Here's what I can do for Netflix. Ten episodes. Ten episodes. That was her run. Ten episodes. Come on, guys. Let me show you what I can do. Let me show you what a show can be like that actually reaches other people. You know, everything I'm talking about, David Letterman, personally, uh, I am disappointed in. The truth is he's doing interviews with people who have led interesting lives and have done interesting things. Jay-Z and Tina Fey, President Obama. I disagree with the politics, but you can't deny the stories. That's what he's trying to do there, right? Now, he's doing it all from the left. Okay. Okay, but I'll, I'll listen to Tina Fey stories all day. <laughs> Absolutely. I might disagree with her on a bunch of things, but talk about somebody who, one of the things she's talked about, she has said this on stage before, uh, you know, in an award acceptance uh, thing, is that... Uh, uh, she she thanks her parents for giving her this uh, outsized uh, sense of uh, confidence, right? There's no reason she should be this confident. There's no reason she should believe she could do so much. I love that. That's a good story. That's worthwhile. So anyway, this is what I'm looking for. Don't boycott. You didn't have to boycott to get rid of Michelle Wolf. You just need better than Michelle Wolf on the platform. The market has spoken about Michelle Wolf. I would like to have the market to have a chance to make comments about me. Let's see what happens. I'm Tony Katz. Tony Katz, the podcast, TonyKatz.com. You can sponsor. Just reach out. We can make that happen. And, of course, you should as we continue to grow right here. Uh, Milk or water? That is, oh, stop that right there. That's the headline. California wants to decide what your kids drink in a restaurant. I hate this with everything in me. Senate Bill 1192. Because it's not just the idea of government is do-goodery. It's the idea of parents failing to be parents. So the idea here is that kids should not drink soda. That's the, the, the idea here. That's the purpose of this. So Senate Bill 1192 would make water or milk the default drink for kids' meals at restaurants. I want to know who at the California Dairy Association got this through. What kind of boondoggle is this? Water or milk? Why? Why, All, why is milk uh, somehow okay? Milk's got sugar. Why, why is it okay that children drink cow juice? Why is it okay that the cows are abused like this? Why, I ask you? So what you've got here is uh, this, this, this push. They, it's not that the kid couldn't get a soda or juice. It's that uh, it would force them to automatically serve water or milk, and then if they want something else, the parent would have to order it. Order it. Now, there's a woman by the name of Stephanie Wynn with the American Cancer Society who says cancer is fought in the halls of government, not just in the halls of a hospital. That's a garbage statement. I'll get into that. 
Some of these kids are drinking up to three sodas a day. This is setting them up for tremendous cancer risks down the road because now we know that 20% of all cancers are tied to being overweight. So she should not be having a conversation with the state government of California to get people or get restaurants to follow their whims, but rather she should be talking to parents. Yes, there are parents out there who I think are out of their mind letting their kids drink soda all the time. Out of their mind, the amount of sugar water uh, that they're drinking. I feel the same way about orange juice and apple juice. It's sugar water. There's no, You don't get the fiber or anything else. It's sugar. Nothing but. Oh, but it's all natural sugar. Stop it with your words and your face and your mouth and your whatnot. Don't kid yourself. Cancer is fought in the halls of government. This isn't about cancer. This is about complying. What do you think this is about? What's best is you comply. Compliance will be rewarded. Are you ready to comply? That's exactly what it's about. Parents need to be the ones who tell their kids no. Parents need the one need to be the ones who parent. And if you say to me, well, they're not doing it, well, then they're not doing it. Where does government decide what is the healthy here? For today, it's going to be only milk and water. And tomorrow, it's going to be no French fries. And then the day after that, it's going to be no red meat. And then the day after that, and then the day after that, and then the day after that, next thing you know, your kid is eating tofu. Oh, but by the way, not too much because there's some other problem. So now they're eating portion control tofu. I don't want to live in the world. Think about it. We're going from soda to tofu. Boy, that escalated quickly. I mean, that really got out of hand fast. I don't want to live in that world. And you might say to me, wow, Tony, you just created a straw man argument. I ask you, when we're talking about government, did I really? Did I really create the straw man argument? I'm not, I'm not so sure that I did. I am not so sure that I am that far off the mark. And now, another Second Amendment success story. You don't say you're sorry when you shoot someone. On Tony Catch Today. Ryan Savager, Daily Wire, with the story. A woman by the name of Chandra Nierman. She has a boyfriend, had a boyfriend... 46-year-old named Stephen Kelly. Stephen Kelly, first-rate scumbag. He had abused and beaten her on numerous occasions, threatened her on numerous occasions, and assaulted her the other day. Fired multiple rounds from a firearm inside the residence to threaten and terrorize her. Uh, She also has three kids. A 12-year-old boy and two girls, 15 and 16. And when Stephen Kelly decided to beat and strangle her, screaming that he was going to cut her throat and kill everyone in the house, the 12-year-old son goes and gets the firearm. And her 15-year-old daughter took the gun from her brother and fired it twice, striking Stephen Kelly in the chest, killing him. This is a Second Amendment success story. And this is what happens when you don't teach your children to be afraid of guns. 
You teach them to respect guns. What we do now in society is the Shannon Watts method. Shannon Watts is just the worst. Moms Demand Action. What a terrible organization Moms Demand Action is. Uh, You're terrible. You're all terrible. Because they're not in favor of common sense gun rights or common sense gun reform or any of that. What they are in favor of is making you afraid of firearms. Yeah, Here, Indianapolis, uh, there's a supermarket chain called Kroger. It's Ralph's in some places. Uh, it's other things in, in other places. And uh, they allow open carry. Right, open carry of a firearm. So you're wearing it on your hip so everybody can see it. Now, in the state of Indiana, they're actually silent on the uh, subject. So if you have a license to carry a handgun, it's not a concealed carry permit. So the license covers open carry or concealed carry. Right? That's that's what it covers. Now, people, the, the situation came to Kroger because it was a conversation about whether Kroger allows open carry in their stores. And Moms Demand Action, amongst others, didn't want them to have open carry in the stores because a child might see the gun and get scared. If the child seeing the gun on the hip of an adult gets scared, that is the fault of the parent who hasn't properly trained the child. You have to be aware of a firearm, not scared of a firearm. That's the story. That's what you need to do. What is the value of teaching your children to be afraid? Name another thing in society that we teach children to be afraid of. I always thought it was about the more you know. I thought about, you always thought it was, you know, that we, we, we are afraid of the things we don't understand. So here you have Shannon Watts and Moms Demand Action all across the country teaching children to be afraid. What does that get us? What does that help? What it helps is trying to keep kids from even knowing about firearms so they think firearms are evil. So they push along this line and go like lemmings down this line of thinking the Second Amendment is wrong. It's a terrible way to do things. Teach your children to respect guns. I have told my kids many times, if you're with a friend and they've got a gun, you run. You run in the other direction. You certainly don't touch anything dad has, but you can't be afraid if I'm carrying you can't be afraid. You can ask questions. You don't touch. You know that it's there. You're aware. These are all good things. Not to be fearful. And then it will be about properly training them and how to use it. Not because I need them. They're going to make their own choice about whether or not they carry a firearm. So they know what's happening. So they're not afraid. They're aware. It's two very different things. And we, do a we, we allow these other people to dictate for us. So the Second Amendment success story here is first that this woman and these kids are alive. The people who don't believe you should have a firearm in the home, I believe are very much in favor of statistics. Because you've heard this before. People who say, oh, you know, if you're, being, if you're being abused, if you have a gun in the home, that only makes it worse and it'll be used against you. They don't even want the woman to have a chance. Not even a chance in 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 fighting back which is a, a to me a, a nonsense uh, proposition and part of the reason uh, that uh they want you to be a statistic and i believe this to be true maybe they've never thought about this way they need to this woman is getting strangled to death 
the guy is saying that he's going to slit her throat and the throats of her kids. If all of them died, if all four of them died, right, then there's statistics to, to violence, right, to domestic abuse. Better they should be statistics than be able to fight back? Because if they fight back, then it's proving that fighting back works. It proves that having a firearm in the home and knowing how to use it is a value. And if they're opposed to firearms in the home and they want to make you believe that somehow it'll make you a statistic, a story like this destroys their argument. They can't stand it. Again, they don't want at all to have the honest conversation. They don't want kids having honest conversations. They don't want them being in a place where they learn respect, where they learn understanding, where they learn what it is. They want, they want the fear. I don't know about you, but I sure as hell ain't going to live in fear. I'm not going to teach my kids to live in fear either. I'm Tony Katz. Tony Katz, 833, got Tony. Facebook, Tony Katz Radio. Giuliani, Chuck Todd. I can't believe I haven't gotten to this either. There's so many things going on. Oh. Uh, so uh, Rudy Giuliani is the president's lawyer. You've seen pictures. Chuck Todd is Chuck Todd. He was the guy lucky enough that David Gregory sucked so bad at taking over for Tim Russert that he now hosts the, the Meet the Press. Now, it's funny, everything I've ever heard about Chuck Todd um, is that he, he is a, a geek's geek when it comes to politics. He's got like this encycl- encyclopedic kind of, of mind to it, and he's an all right guy. It's just when I see him on the show sometimes, I just feel, oh, I just feel awful. <laughs> and yeah, that, that could just be me. I could just be pining for, for, for Russert. That could very well be it. I often wonder what Russert would be like in days like these. It'd be so interesting to watch. But Julie's on, Giuliani's on there, and they're talking about the truth. Now, I'm going to share this with you in, in full because it's really interesting. It's really interesting how Chuck Todd reacts. It's interesting how Giuliani responds. It's interesting how Giuliani kind of punches uh, Chuck Todd in the nose with the idea of this conversation of truth. And it, it, it's clear to me that, that Rudy Giuliani is going for a, a bit of nuance here in a conversation about uh, Donald McGahn, the White House counsel, different than President Trump's personal lawyer, and how Donald McGahn had done over 30 hours of interviews with the Mueller team, which is insane as I see it. And by the way, I was in paragraph nine of the New York Times piece. Never once has he seen President Trump do something uh, outside the bounds of, of the presidency. But I, but it, I never. There's no reason McGahn is having any interviews whatsoever. But I want to share this with you because Giuliani is trying to get to nuance. I think he does a poor job of it. However, I think Chuck Dodd does a worse job of it. Let me share this with you. You believe this is on them that you would have that that you guys have not delayed the interviewing, uh, no. delayed the negotiations. Yeah, with Mr. Yes, Mueller. each time by three or four days, so we could write a letter in response. They have taken two to three weeks to get back to us. So I, what I have to tell you is, look, I'm not going to be rushed into having him testify so that he gets trapped into perjury. And when you tell me that, you know, he should testify because he's going to tell the truth and he shouldn't worry, well, that's so silly because it's somebody's version of the truth, not the truth. He didn't have 
a, a conversation truth is about, truth. I, I don't mean to go like... I, no, I it isn't truth. Truth isn't truth. The President of the United States says, I didn't... Truth isn't uh, truth. Mr. Mayor, do you realize what... I, I, no, I, no, th no. This is going to become a what, bad don't, 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 do, don't, do, don't do this to me. Don't do uh, truth Donald isn't truth Trump, to me. Donald Trump says, I didn't talk about Flynn with Comey. Comey says, you did talk about it. So tell me what the truth is. Don McGahn might uh, If know. you're such a genius... Don McGahn, Don McGahn doesn't know. If that's the situation, okay. we have two pieces of evidence. Trump says, I didn't tell him, and the other guy says that he did say it. Which is the truth? Uh, you're, well, I mean, maybe point, you know right. because you're, you're a genius. Under two people, I know you're right. I don't read minds on that front. Let me ask so you this have, final we question. Have, no, 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 let me finish. We have a credibility gap between the two of them. You've got to select one or the other. Now, who do you think Mueller's going to select? One of his best friends, uh, Comey? Or the president, who he has been carrying on a completely wild, crazy, is it possible, unorthodox investigation. Is it possible he makes a conclusion based on who's been more truthful over the years? It's possible that he'll make the conclusion on which of the two statements is more logical, which of the two statements has more common sense. Yeah, it's possible he can do that. He was going for nuance, and he did it poorly. However... I still think that he came out on top, if you will, especially with that last part from Chuck Todd, which goes to, I think, showing a, a total lack of understanding of what we mean by the rule of law. Wild, crazy, is it possible, unorthodox investigation. Is it possible he makes a conclusion based on who's been more truthful over the years? That's, is, is that what you want? More truthful based on, on what? Again. Now, I don't believe, for example, there is such a thing as your truth or my truth. I believe there's only the truth. But the conversation that Giuliani is having here is about not only the, the, the law, but specifically an investigation involving Robert Mueller and the reality that Mueller can't be trusted. What the hell is wrong with us? What did I start with? I started with if Donald McGahn having interviews with Robert Mueller is completely insane. I heard that story and I said exactly this, and I want, I want to quote it here. It, it was the most ridiculous thing I ever heard. Everything set up by justice, set up by the FBI, is to hurt you, the citizen. Everything. It's meant to catch you in a lie. It doesn't even matter if you're under oath. Lying to the FBI is a crime which is crazy in and of itself. Crazy. So you don't have the interview because if um, if you said, hey, what was the temperature on that day? And you said it was 85 degrees. And the next time they said, hey, what was the temperature on that day? You said it was in the 80s. Now you've given two different answers. And it does go to that level when you're dealing with the FBI, which is why I say again and again and again uh, uh, regarding President Trump, don't don't do the interviews. Don't you cannot trust these people. They're there to kill you're not smarter than them. You might actually be smarter than them, but the system is set up to destroy you. You're in the Kobayashi Maru, and with all due respect, you haven't changed enough laws to get the outcome that you want from it. You're not Kirk. Mainly because that was a movie. This is the real-life Kobayashi Maru, and you are going to get blown up. So don't do it. Don't do it. Uh, but Chuck Todd has to accept the fact 
that what Rudy Giuliani said there is very true. It won't be about what's actually true. It's about what truth Mueller may want to accept, not even a court of law, what the special prosecutor might want. That's an issue. That should bother. So I thought that, that you know, it, it goes down the line of uh, it's the whole Bill Clinton, that depends on what your definition of the word is, is. It goes down that line. I do agree that there, there's that kind of feel. But it is a bit of a more nuanced point than is being given credit for. Right there. Uh, follow uh, Facebook, Tony Katz Radio, Instagram, Tony Katz, Twitter, Tony Katz. It's all that easy uh, to do. Tomorrow, everyone, take care.